series of the trauma healing learnings based on one mom's journal entries recorded in real time from a catastrophic event with her son that you've been listening to in the blink of an eye story. Episode 28, Tell Him Everything, Trauma Healing Learnings. Life can change in the blink of an eye. What and how much of the medical truth are we to share with our loved ones? In the companion story, when Archer began to ask about information, and we were faced with so many conflicting medical reports, we had to have a tricky conversation. Thank goodness for the ABC board. While it is always worth discussing, again, the expectation that medical information should be easily obtainable and understandable and digestible, what came up for us in the companion story was a different issue. And I am curious how you feel about it. What and how much of the medical truth are we to share with our loved ones? For some of you, that might be an absurd or even rhetorical question. But there are so many situations where the patient is not the person who receives the medical information. You know, the non-patient spouse gets information for the spouse patient. The non-patient daughter or son gets information for the elderly parent patient. Or the parent gets information for the child patient. There are hundreds of thousands of such medical scenarios every year. If you were the person getting the information, do you share all that you learn? Are there some times when you do not? Does it have to be big information to share it? What about things like you knew a good friend was trying to come visit your loved one in the ICU, but was not able to, and you forgot to tell your loved one who was your elderly mom. And she begins to think unbeknownst to you that her good friend didn't care or that something bad happened to her good friend. I mean, that's an example of the tiniest bit of information. What about sharing big information? You might say, well, of course you do. But what if that information might be uncomfortable to share or to receive? I bet you have been faced with some situations like that. What if you're worried the information could cause more harm or stress than good? such as the bad news or painful information that it's not medical, but has an impact on someone who is fragile in the hospital. Like telling an elderly parent one of their kids was in a bad car accident and they can't go see them, of course. Or telling them another of their grown-up kids is getting divorced and a spouse just walked out on them or such other painful news. To share or not to share with a loved one 
who is in bad shape in the hospital some new painful bad news about another loved one? It's not an easy question. There are so many dilemmas around different views of well-being. Some of the situations, however, pose thorny ethical dilemmas when the stakes are high and someone else's decision-making about something important to them is based on what you share or do not share. Oh, the truth. It's tricky business. I wonder how you see it. Whose decision is it anyway to decide what information is shared? Boy, was I grateful for that conversation with Archer and my interview with Dr. Tolucci. Who gets to be the gatekeeper for information in an ICU? We talked about full disclosure and truth in episode seven, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Is obtaining the truth from medical staff dependent on whom you ask? Is the burden shifted to the patient or their family to even have to ask or to ask the right questions? Let's think about that because as we enter hospitals for care and in the case of ICUs for critical life and death care, we want to trust medical staff and we want to trust the care they give us. We might not know enough to ask and definitely not enough to ask the right question. And on top of all that, you can have a family and a patient in the ICU who are all united and on the same page for receiving information and sharing information, but they're having a tough time getting the information from the medical office, right? That takes us also back to the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> Maybe you can talk about this at your dinner table tonight. If you were ever in such a situation, how would you get the information? Whose duty is it to give all the information? Is there even a duty? And do patients get all the medical notes made on them and about them? But let's shift to a different burden of sharing information. What about the family member who now has medical information about their loved one who is in the intensive care unit, whether their spouse, their child, their minor child, their elderly parent? Is there a duty to tell the patient what you know? Let's say you have a child in the ICU and you want to share information that's very difficult and potentially hard for your child to know, certainly very hard for you to convey, but you believe it's the right thing to do. But your spouse or partner believes differently. What do you do? I think this situation comes up a lot for adult siblings caring for their elderly parent in an ICU. Perhaps their parent has some dementia and difficult news could accelerate that cognitive decline. But at least one sibling does not see it that way and is vocally in favor of telling mom. 
Or what about mom who has early Alzheimer's and is in the ICU and she has told one of her children she wants all information. She does not want any information withheld from her, even if she doesn't have legal capacity. But the power of attorney she signed, naming her oldest child, who doesn't think it would be in mom's best interest to know some of the medical prognostications, and the other three siblings think mom should have such information, what do you do? These are not easy issues. They all have to do with power. Information is power. It's a power currency. It is. You can hold it, share it, spend it, and do good with it. You can also do harm. <laughs> Maybe you'll have some good pillow talk tonight or at your next family sibling dinner or Zoom call. Raise these issues to at least raise the hairy question when you're not faced with the pressure of the situation might reveal some helpful and new information regarding a perspective of your partner or your siblings you did not have before, which you can consider. You might consider doing it with a simple go round on a Zoom call with a hypothetical question, what if and the ground rule of listening only. You know, no response, no advice, no agreeing, just listening, one speaker at a time, while the rest on the call or the Zoom are attentive listeners who are also witnesses. It might be uncomfortable, but if you stick with the discomfort and don't bail out, it will make you stronger. It will. And that discomfort is also part of trauma healing. The more we can create a level of tolerance in our bodies for sitting with discomfort, rather than shutting it down or fleeing from it or fighting it, the closer we get to experiencing another's experience and experiencing our own in relation to them. And this is filled with potential for trauma integration. Our bodies do not like discomfort. And old vestiges of trauma, including thinking that we're locked into, are lurking around in our bodies, causing us a lot of discomfort, especially when that energy is met with a different perspective. Each time we clamp down on it, rather than giving it a little space for expression, such as a listening circle, we lose an opportunity for trauma healing. But each time we pause and pose questions and listen and take in the experience of another, 
even very differentiated from our own experience, the more we free ourselves of the burden of old trauma. So take in a deep breath as we close and imagine what you wish for, for your own healing. Is there information you want to convey? A story to share? Something you want someone to listen to? Is there information you want to ask for? Is there information you have that is powerful to someone else's growth and development and future well-being? We were made to live in joy. Information can set us free. Insights, being seen, being witnessed, being heard. To advance our own well-being, let's all commit to sharing an insight we have about our own lives with someone else as our witness. Let's commit to being a witness for someone who needs a listener about their life. And let's thank God for the ears and bodies we have to give us the cues when we are impatient so we can settle and slow down so we can ask important questions and listen. We know you wait for us, Lord. Allow us to wait for ourselves and others as we all work to reveal our own truths. And when we do, Lord, we know we take another step in trauma integration. Amen. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Your life is precious. I hope you have enjoyed these trauma healing learnings. To listen to the story behind the learnings, tune in to episode 28, Tell Him Everything. Sending love, hope for everything, obtain everything. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Please subscribe via email on our site, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen.